Kia ora. We are two urban Māori millennials who have put our career on hold for a year to learn our native tongue, te reo Māori. Join us on our journey of reclaiming as we undertake the profound challenge of a year-long full immersion journey at the renowned Te Wānanga o Takiura. <coughs> Kia ora everybody and welcome along to the first episode of Back to Kura with Ashley and Shiloh. Kia ora, kia ora. How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited. I feel like this is such an important kaupapa for us to be a part of and inviting everyone on this journey as we learn or reclaim our identity. Hard out about two weeks or week and a half left until we dive into full immersion te reo Māori. Um, before we kind of dive into that journey, I guess we should do a little bit of an intro of ourselves and talk about you know, who Charlotte is and who Ashley is so that the audience out there know, oh, yo, okay, these are who we're following for the year and, you know, the ups, the downs, the in-betweens. But um, how do you want to do that? Let me introduce you and you introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've then. known Ashley for like one week. So, <laughs> 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 so Ashley is a broadcaster. He is He was on Flavor radio station for seven years. Um, and he's still going to be on there part-time. You've probably seen his face on TV. He's the, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do it? Um, I, I don't even know how I do it. I think it's like... Um, it's yours. It's yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's also, you've probably seen him on Instagram, doing that whole um, coffee tourism type of thing um, as well. So... He's also, you love your family, you love your whanau, you're the son of um, Kitty Nathan, pretty famous fashion designer, amazing wahine. And uh, yeah, that's what I know of Ashley so far. All He's right. a cool guy, very insightful. Hopefully, Had hopefully you can learn a bit more along this journey. Yeah, I, I hope am. so. Mm. So Shiloh, yeah, interesting, eh? We've only known each other probably a week and a half. Mm. So we didn't, <coughs> we kind of... You reached out on Instagram and said, hey, look, we're doing um, Takuta together. Would it be cool to kind of do a podcast, talking about our journey, documenting that journey? Um, let's catch up for a coffee. We did. We caught up for the coffee. And, um, yeah, it went really well. It I was cool. We yeah. had some, like, really insightful kōrero from the moment that I met you. Yeah. It was, like, pretty deep. Yeah, so. which is good, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. definitely going to be deep along this sort of te reo Māori journey because, you know, it's it's a – spiritual journey mm. i feel like you know it's not it's not just like going to learn mathematics mathematics or statistics or science you know what i mean this is like a personal journey for us so um yeah i'm glad that we hit it off and we decided we'll do this podcast so um that's the first kind of introduction for me shiloh uh journalist for however long i know you've worked in a lot of um big companies in new zealand nz herald mm. you are a journalist slash reporter for marae as well which is yes. a current affairs news broadcast media outlet yeah. for Māori people and other people. Yep, yep. correct. Um, I know you've written stories for, was it Stuff? Uh, mm, years ago, mm -hmm. but I'm writing now at the moment for Newsroom, mm. column for Newsroom. I've written for other places too. And, and I think I um, wrote a book. I wrote oh, a book. that's <laughs> right. Yes, you did. You wrote a book. But you haven't read yet. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I need to read that. I would like to get a copy. I need to support your co-papa. The Porangi boys. <laughs> yeah. Dope. So I think the biggest thing for me in, in learning <clears throat> and, and getting to know you was I 
did do like a little bit of Googling and you had a article online and this is before I even knew you and it was a story about you diving into reclaiming your identity, your mm. kaupapa, um, about your year in Te Wānanga Takuda. So um, tell me a bit about that story and what you wrote and kind of a little bit of the, the journey behind that because it's quite a good one, you know what I mean? And oh, I, thank and, you. And before you get into it, when I read it, I really resonated with it. I felt mm. like a lot of your words in that article really resonated with me and how I felt, mm. especially as like a Māori man, as a Māori, but also someone going into Takiura as well. Well, I think maybe in order to understand the article and the context should go back a little bit and rewind. Um, I feel like for us, being urban Māori, me being a wahine, you being Tani, I feel like there are so many other urban Māori that can probably relate to the journey that we've been on and trying to learn to do Māori. And for me, I feel like... I've done everything that I possibly can and the language still doesn't come. So I have enrolled in Tiwana o Aotearoa part-time. I've got Scotty Morrison bo- Scotty Morrison's books, Hemi Kelly books, listen to podcasts. I mean, I feel like I've done everything and the language still isn't coming. So I'm like, okay, is there, what's the stumbling block or what's stopping us from being able to, to speak it? And when I went to Mirai, which is a Māori current affairs show, there was so many people around me that can speak te reo Māori and um, it was challenging for me because I came from mainstream to um, a Māori media outlet. So I went from a white space to a Māori space but I still felt like I didn't belong in either and I'm sure you know what that's like, right? Mm. As you just feel like you're in between worlds. And there was one story that I was reporting on um, when I went to Tauranga and I was doing a story on a kohanga reo and the kayako said to me, um, oh, she started speaking Māori to me and I said to her, I don't, I'm, I'm still learning Māori. And she just looked at me and she said, how can you tell our stories but not speak our language? Wow. And <laughs> I know she didn't mean to be hurtful, but it was, like it was really hurtful. And I remember um, like going into the car and having a cry because I'm quite sensitive and... It was just hurtful to think that um, in some ways I felt like she was right, that mm. I needed to go and learn the language and I needed to put everything on hold in order to do so. And so after that experience, I went and I enrolled in Takayota and I decided that I was going to, yeah, just put my put the language first and, and sacrifice everything, give up everything I have, not to be dramatic, but give up everything I have in order to to learn language. Yeah, what a powerful statement, eh? One word that kind of changed your life. I feel like it's almost a blessing. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, I, and I can see how you can take it in like a hurtful way. Like, oh my God, like, I mean, how would you time, say that about me? Like, <laughs> at the time it was hurtful, but as I've been able to reflect yeah. on it, you, you're right, it was a blessing. And it was sort of that motivation for me to do everything that I, that I can and, and to be here right now mm. and, and preparing to go and study at Takiyota. Like, that's... Amazing, but scary. Yeah, it is amazing. It's scary. And um, so you had a job. You were a journalist, and I'm sure we'll get into my story as well, but I want to learn a little bit more about you. Um, a big decision, the trajectory for us was both we were in our careers. We had had a few years in the industries, journalist, um, mm. broadcasting, and for us to take a year off and drop responsibilities and those opportunities is a big decision. It is. It's not something that, you know, you, you, it's a big decision in your career because you've got opportunities that are coming, but also money. 
Like, yeah, that's the thing. Money is eh? huge. That you know, that's our bread and butter. That's how we pay our rent. That's how we live. Buy food. Right. I know, and it's so interesting because, and I, and I'm sure you remember this too. Being there at the um, interview on the on the um, first day, or oh, sorry, not the first day, but when we were interviewed, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't there with you, but. Um, when Papa Tafiri, when he asked all of us to share our fuck Papa, he would ask us at the end of our corridor, "How are you going to pay for it?" And <laughs> that's a question that I had, uh, that I keep asking in my mind is how how are we paying for this? The cost, right? Everything comes at a cost, and I feel like for us, it's, it's the money is a huge thing, but it's not even about the money, right? The cost of learning our language, having to buy back our language, there's so much more to that. There's the the trauma. Um, of having to unpack why it's so hard for us to get our tongue around to a Māori, the, maybe the internalised ex- racism that we had experienced growing up. Um, you know, the fact that our ancestors, our tūpuna, were beaten mm. for speaking the language. So it, it's, there's so much trauma involved of learning te reo Māori, so I feel like that's why this journey is so important and so important for people to see the journey because I feel like you see a lot of Māori, right, who can speak te reo Māori, who didn't before, but you never see the process of, of what that took, the highs mm. and the lows and and all that that comes with it. You you raise a good point there with the traumas and stuff like that because for my me and my personal journey, I um I remember doing this podcast one time with a guy, Robert, and he's a Māori entrepreneur, got a few followers, and my mother watched it. And in that podcast, he goes, he, he asked me a question around like, is it hard for you being a Māori in mainstream media or something like that? Then I answered the question, and then I went on to say, oh, you know, I've always felt not Māori enough. Mm. And and I said, I don't feel Māori enough, and also I feel like I'm more Pākehā than I am Māori. Right. It, it, it felt right at the time, but then I went home, and mum was like, I understand what you're trying to say, that you've been raised in a, in a white environment, raised in, like, colonial settings. But she goes, I think what you tend to forget is your history and like what has happened in your family and this is the first time that i'd actually heard the story so i was like why didn't you tell me this ages ago like <laughs> i need to know this and um she goes you know your great grandmother was beaten for speaking maori mm. your great grandmother and your great grandfather were beaten for speaking maori so when they raised your grandmother who was my nana they raised her to be white so they were raised up north. right you're raised to be english you speak english you don't speak maori Learning anything Māori is not going to help you in life. Right, yeah. Right? And they said, you go to Auckland, you marry a white man, and that is success. So I'm like, far out. There's so much more to dive into when people feel like not Māori enough. Because I think the first and foremost is like identifying why. Mm. Why do we feel those ways? Or why is it hard for us to have the language? Or why is it hard for us to, for it to stick? You can kind of go, oh, you know, it's just not working. Or you can go, well, actually, there's reasons as to why. For sure. And I think for all of us, the the reasons or the trauma, uh, it's different for for every Maori. But um, you know, we all have those similar experiences, and I think we need to kind of figure out for ourselves what those stumbling blocks are, what trauma we need to undress. So, for you, it's um, you know, you can look at your great grandmother and see that that has sort of trickled down right for generations in your Fano. And the same for me with my grandparents, and my parents were even raised to believe that it was better to send me to a white mainstream school don't go to kuroko papa and don't you know like don't worry about joining kabahaka just work on your academic success and cool like i did well academically at school but i missed out 
on my culture. So again, it came at a cost. Mm. And I think when I look back, I feel sad because I would rather have my culture and, and that spirituality that comes with that than to be successful academically in a white world. You know? yeah. The fact that you've gone and educated yourself or you've done well at school and probably myself as well, got a degree, done well in the mainstream sort of mm. industries that we've been a part of, you've gone on to Marae. As millennial Maoris, we have strength as well. The fact For that sure. we don't have our culture is a massive hole. It's a massive hole, but at the same time, we've got skills that potentially other people don't. So things come at a cost, and it depends where your values are or what you want to have in your life. And I think for us, the realisation is that culture is, the, is, is important, if not the most important. Absolutely. Right? And I think with the language too, because I know what it's like to not have it, when I do have it, I'll never take it for granted. Mm. And, I will, and I will see it and treasure it as a gift, and I will do everything in my power to help other Māori cherish it as well and to, and to have the gift just like the Morrisons you know just like Stacey does mm. and I think Stacey is such a great moral model to me because she literally lives her life in service of helping other Māori you know have reclaim their identity through the language and she's booked that walker and we're all on it you know and if we're like if it's stormy or if we want to jump off or we want to drown you know, we know that she's there and Scotty are there and they're, they're already, you know, paddling the way. Mm, they're great through. role models for us to look yeah, at and see. Because, sure. like, you know what, I, it was only maybe two years ago because you see Scotty on TV, Takarere, and being that guy. Mm. He's that guy. And really, really um, experienced and knowledgeable in Te Reo Māori. And you see him on TV and you go, oh, sweet, he must have grown up with it. Yeah, he must have been. He must have grown up on the Finua, you know. He was around the Marae. And must then, have gone to a good Kaupapa. He went to Kura Kaupapa. <laughs> <laughs> All these things that you kind of like put on somebody. And then I found out recently that he, he learned at uni. Exactly. You know what I mean? Which and I'm is like, amazing. Whoa, there's Scotty, who's like, I would say the poster boy for right? Maori. Yeah. Te Reo Maori. I'd say that. No, he is yeah. for sure. Yeah, and he learned at university. So like, what a great story. And what a great role model for yeah. people out there that don't have the deal to look up to and be like, man, I can do it. And Stacey too, you know. She didn't have the deal and then now she does. But the difference with these two is that they, like I said before, live in the service of helping others to have the deal as well. Like they've literally dedicated their lives in doing that. And so they're so, I mean, I don't know if I'd be here without them, you know. So I just want to mihi. To you, Stacey, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> love you heaps. I don't see, love you at, see you after um, the course at your pool. See you at pool for <laughs> <laughs> Um, So I, I guess something else that is, uh, I'm kind of like interested in is, has there been any milestones or kind of moments in your life leading up to deciding to go learn the language that have been impactful on your journey? Or is it mainly the Kyoko that told you I feel like it's the Kayako, but mm. what I want to ask you, Ashley, is because I, I know of you before I met you as well, and I remember reading something about an actor that said something to you, and, and I want to know more about that mm. and how yeah. that made you feel. Mm. Yeah, okay. So a bit of context to that story. So I work in radio. I work on Flavor. I think it was after like a league game. It was like Samoa versus Tonga or maybe something like that, and I went out, had a couple of drinks, and then I saw this guy. I walked past him and said, what's up? And he said, what's up? I was like, all good, all good, all good. Sweet, see you later, nothing else. I was walking down K Road and then I saw the guy again. And I walked past him and then he called me back and I was like, oh, okay, sweet. 
wants to have a yarn, cool this. This is a, this is a guy like I, I know his face. I know what he's done, but I don't. I've never met him before. I haven't properly met him. I haven't had a conversation with him. Calls me back and we start having a conversation, and then pretty much gets to the stage where he goes, um, "Stop speaking Maori on radio because it makes me sick." Wow. Yeah, and at the time, I'll be honest, like it didn't really affect me because I've got quite a thick skin and I'm very pro. People can have their own opinions, man. Like, if you don't think that my deal is up to standard or whatever it might be, all good. You, you're you entitled to your own opinions. So I was like, sweet as, if that's how you feel, all good. And then, um, you know, I woke up the next morning and I was like thinking about that moment. And I was like, if he had said that to someone else, that could have really, really hurt them. Mm. Could have really made them make the decision to go, you know, what, I'm not going to speak Maldi on the radio, you know. That could have really damaged their journey, you know what I mean? And for someone that has the privilege of knowing the language and understanding the kopapa, everything around Te Ao Māori, I just, uh, I just didn't feel like that was a Māori way of operating. We are people that should be operating with manakitanga, which is like raising other mm. people's mana. And that, it's diminishing your that mana. is diminishing mana to a T. That was kind of the journey that, I went on with that and I put a bit of a post up on Facebook saying, you know, exactly what I said then. And it got a bit of traction and people started writing about it. I never said the guy's name um, because that wasn't important for me. It wasn't about that. It was more just about the kopapa behind it, right? Like, how could you say that to somebody? If anything, if you thought that it made you sick, then go, okay, bro, I love what you're doing. um, But... I'd love to help you pronounce the words correctly or I'll teach you a few things. Like, let's have a catch-up where we can learn some pronunciation or whatever it might be, you know what I mean? That's more to me how a Māori should operate with another Māori, not putting them down. I want to know, did what he apologise? Nah. Nah, oh, nah. Wow. Nah, nothing, nothing has come from that. It was just like, it was kind of like made a bit of a hoo-ha in the Māori world and then it kind of just... Nothing. Nah, nothing, just kind of See. I know you've got thick skin, but I, I'm quite sensitive. And so if that was to happen to me, I think that would have been really, really, really hurtful. And so I feel like comments and judgments that are like that, that come from the Māori community can actually stop the progression of us as urban Māori who didn't have the opportunity to grow up knowing our identity and our culture can stop us from actually going on that reclaiming journey, right? Because the whakamā mm. that is put on us... And for me, working at Madai, um, our stories on social media have a lot of engagement and um, they get a lot of comments and things. And so sometimes I read through the comments and <laughs> most of them are really positive. And I'm like, yes. But then obviously like the one negative comment and it would be like, that reporter can't speak Māori or her Māori sucks. And I'll just think, remember that comment. Mm. And, and that would be, to me, the most hurtful thing. Um, you know, so I just think people need to be careful of what they say or how they encourage other Māori, you know. I mean, I, I was really grateful at Marae to have people like Fatih Tiwaka, who was one of my colleagues and a reporter who was really encouraging, would help me with pronunciation, you know. Um, Tinny Molahue, Blake, my producer, they were always encouraging. And that's what we need, right? Mm, yeah, manakitanga. I reckon that's, that's just how I see it. And that for me is a personal journey as to why I'm doing like Yuta, because yes, I want to reclaim my identity, reclaim my culture, but at the same time, I want to be in a position where I can speak and I can feel comfortable and also like share with other Māori who might have not felt Māori enough or been in a similar waka to me that it's all good. You can do this journey. You can learn. You can you can dive into to culture and learning about yourself and 
I will never be, hopefully, in a place where I will diminish other people's mana. Mm. I want to be uplifting people. I want to be showing people that this is awesome and I will help you along the way with the podcast that we produce or broadcasting on Flavor or wherever that might be, you know. It's if it's about making Māori people feel comfortable, Māori people feel like, yeah, I am Māori enough. I am worthy to be Māori. I Just because I don't have the language doesn't mean that I'm not Māori. I'll always be pushing those messages because I think that to me is important because I didn't know I didn't know any of like a lot of people when you talk about not being Māori enough they go oh you're Māori enough because of your whakapapa and I learned that recently um, from Tudor Kawa Bartlett uh, on a podcast that I was on he goes you know you're Māori enough because of your whakapapa your reo your kaupapa um, everything else kapahaka singing all of those things that just adds to you being Māori enough but you are Māori enough because of your blood because of your whakapapa and I never heard that from anybody. And then I heard that and I was like, whoa, what a groundbreaking piece of information to the Kawabala. Thank you. Uh, you know, so that's kind of like, for me, that was a powerful moment. Mm, Yo, for sure, awesome, for sure. man. Like, I don't need to feel like I need, I need to have the language to feel Māori enough. Right. Or I need to have anything. Because I can trace back to my ancestors who were at my marae. So what made you want to do the course, Ashley? Or what do you want to undertake this full-year immersion to do a Māori course and put your career on hold? Mm, interesting. Uh, I think there's a, a few things. I've got to give a lot of props to my mother because mm. she was definitely encouraging me to do this journey. Um, but I think... Um, I think there's always just been like a gap, a hole. As much as I've done all the courses like you, I've done kapahake at school, I never got the language and I never really felt like I had plugged that hole in my in myself and in my being. So, you know, that's a big reason for me personally, just to like learn who I am as a person, as a Māori man, learn about my people a bit more and have that knowledge and to ground myself in te ao Māori because I feel like I've done enough in the Pākehā world and now I want to acknowledge and respect the side of me my Maori side and the other thing is like I think that it's strength there's power in learning the language for sure the, the world is changing man and I genuinely believe that well especially Maori we're the leading indigenous I'd say in the world if you've got that language man you can tap into all kinds of things you know what I mean so I was in my career in the mainstream kind of doing the radio thing and, and it was awesome and I really appreciate the journey that I had but I asked myself, like, what am I doing here? Like, what impact am I having? Am I supporting Māori people? Am I being a role model for my people? Am I, you know, encouraging people to speak? And I kind of just started asking myself those questions. And then from those questions and from my mum kind of prodding me to take the year-long journey, I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm climbing a building that I don't even know if I want to be on the top of. I think I need, I, like, needed to take myself out of that environment and put myself in this environment because I just know that it's going to help me personally with my with my life moving forward and just information, identity. Was it a hard decision to make for you? No, it wasn't. Yeah, it really wasn't. Actually, no, I lie. At the start <laughs> of the at, at the start of this year, no, sorry, at the start of last year when my mother was kind of talking about, I was like, I'm not doing that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, me too. I was I like. I got a job, you know, I've got a career. I'm trying to be a radio host out here. You got your own job, you got your own business, you can do this and that, you're all good, but I got a job. 
And then like the more that she spoke on it, uh, we actually talked to um, Stacey Morrison about it as well because she works in the same building. And, you know, everything was leaning and sort of heading right. towards, you need to do this? Almost like it was aligning, right? It was right? aligning, Because it was man. like me too. Because when the idea popped into my head, I was like, nah. <laughs> Oh like, nah, I'm all good. <laughs> I was like, "What? Like, I'm my journalism career is like really taking off at the moment, and I can't imagine not having money for a year. Like, what am I gonna do? You know, I've got rent to pay, I've got bills to pay, and I just, you know, like the the idea, I couldn't phantom it. I was like, a year, like going back to school, going back to university, like I'm too old for that. Mm. But you know, like as I was just saying, like I felt like it was everything was aligning, and I would have moments where I felt. In my heart, that it was the right thing to do. Whether it be like someone said something to me, you know, meeting the kayak or, um, you know, like all these moments that just seem to align to make it happen. Mm. So I really feel like this is meant to be, and maybe our two point oh. I went, I don't say maybe. I say I definitely think our two point have had something to do with this. Hundred percent. It's definitely been a spiritual journey. You know what I mean? There's been moments like, you know, like Stacy and like. Um, my mum kind of prodded me, and I did a bit of a journey last year, 60-day digital detox, mm. and during that detox, I was taking a lot of time just to think about where I want to go in my life, and people that suddenly showed up, like uh, I've got a, a mentor, Paolo Pudu, who is very, well, in my opinion, knowledgeable in Tao Māori, and he came into my life, and like he gave me so much knowledge around kopapa and stories and um, myths and legends and just everything, that, and just being in that space of learning with him, I was just like, this is mean, like, give me right. more. Like, we, I think we caught up for, like, an hour and a half and it ended up being seven hours. Wow. Seven hours of just sitting down and talking and wānanging on Te Ao Māori and his journey and my journey. It was like, oh, man. It's so spiritual. Yeah, it's and, spiritual. And nourishing to the soul. Yes, it is. Massively. And I had this experience um, when I was at Marae and – why Horoi Shortland, who is this um, legendary journalist, he was there, and he was sitting in the um, he was sitting in the kitchen, and he like calls me over, and he's like, "Hey, come over here," and then he's like, "Tell me who you are," and I talked to him a little bit, and then he talked to me a little bit, and then he started telling me about his journey of learning Te Reo Māori, but he said something, and I will never ever forget it because it like pierced my soul, and this was sort of like the final. I wouldn't say like dagger, but the final straw that, yeah, like this, I I, I need to go and learn to do Maori like I, I, at any cost. Um, but he says to me, Maori were born with te reo inside of us. It's already in you. So once you stop focusing on putting the reo inside, and instead find a way to bring it out, that's when everything will change. Mm. What does that mean for you? So I think for so long. I've been looking at Te Reo Māori and at, at like, at even like, like it's like another language, you know, because I can speak Chinese. And so for me, it's like, oh, I need to learn these new words and I need to learn this and this. But what I realised when he said that was that we already have the language because we are Māori. That's how whakapapa, right? Our ancestors speak it. So instead of trying to um, put it inside, we need to bring it out. And bringing that up means unpacking the trauma and unpacking everything that comes with it, but it's already within us. Mm. It's about making mistakes. Had a long life, and we can speak 
English and you can speak, sorry, Chinese, was it? Yeah. You know, and that's awesome. But when we go to Te Reo Māori, we're babies, man. We're like one years old. You know, we're, we're still learning. So we have to have that mentality when we go into study is that we don't know these things. You know what I mean? We don't know. It's going to be hard. There's going to be moments in this journey where it's like, shucks, like this, this is just not clicking. But you need to revert back to a baby brain, like asking questions and not feeling like um, fearful, you mm, know, lose that, the fear. All the whakama. All the whakama. Because we've all felt it as exactly, Māori. Exactly. We've all been there. Know, I even even now to this day, like when we were just talking about this podcast, and you're like, "Oh, call Shiloh Tokuingo," and I'm like, "Oh my god, are you gonna do your pepper on the podcast? <laughs> oh no, you know I don't want to be that guy because mine's gonna be bad." And I'm, you know, and I, those sort of feelings come rushing back. Yeah, like, no, they know, do. You're like, "Oh my god, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I don't know what I don't know." It, and then you just like really discourage yourself, and you. Um, and then it just stops you from from growing or progressing, and you just instead of actually doing it, you just turn around and then you, you just like you know you just don't do it, you know. So that's how you really need to encourage. And each of those moments, um, I was having a conversation with um, one of my mates, Jared Tuhoro, and he was going through the le- the real journey last year, and and one of the big moments for him was when he was a kid and he went to primary school, and they went around the they went around the class to say introduce yourself. And he used a white name instead of using his Maori name. Right. And he felt like, oh man, like that was such a, I like, I felt like a stab in the back that I like didn't represent my Maori side. And all of those little moments throughout our lives, those moments where you're like, oh, who's going to do the karanga? Oh, can't do it. Don't know. Oh, who's going to do the whaikōrero? Oh, can't do it. Don't know. Oh, someone sparks up a waiata and you don't know it. Oh. You know? Or, 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 or can you show so can you do the karakia? Yeah. Oh, don't know. You know what <laughs> I mean? And <laughs> those moments really add up. Add to the fakama, right? Add to the fakama, adds to that sort of um, wall that you can't pass or that hurdle that you can't jump. And when we talk about takiura, that for me is the hurdles that I'm going to be jumping because I know, like, I've got a year of this and I'm hoping and I'm pretty damn sure with a bit of effort and a bit of, like, you know, intention we're gonna jump those hurdles for sure and it's exciting man that's mean it is like very exciting and it's awesome that we can take people along this journey of because it's going to be hard and it's going to be challenging as well you know i mean just looking through the uh the course outline you know like I, the one thing that kind of scares me is that doing the karanga mm. i mean i for me growing up and, and being Māori, I mean, a lot of urban Māori could relate. I only um, went back to the marae when someone died, right? And that's when I would see a kāranga. And to imagine myself doing that freaks me out. <laughs> I'm like, hell no, like, I can't do that. I don't <laughs> like, think you're alone in that. You know? I don't think you're alone in that, man. It's a That's a massive journey. And that's going to be one of those moments this year where you're like, holy, yeah, holy cow. And we have to do a wire you know that? What do you mean? Like we have to write our own wire Wow. So are you ready for that, Ashley? Yeah. No, can you I sing? can't sing, so neither <laughs> <laughs> can I. Oh, stab in the back. Did I get the vocals? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you play guitar? Oh. <laughs> I can't sing either. Yeah. It must be like one of the only two Maori that can't sing. I know, man. I Shame. Know. Or maybe it's just letting go of that fear, right? Letting go of those sort of um things that we've had on our minds. I can't sing. I can't play guitar. 
you know, it's like, oh man, I, I feel like this is the year of personal growth and development that's going to squash all of those things, hopefully, especially in Te Ao Māori. We've talked a lot about Takiura and our personal journeys and whatnot. Um, to kind of wrap up, I guess, our first episode, the intro episode, and um, getting to know us a little bit more along this one-year journey, um, what is the end goal for you after this year? Mm. Actually, as you were saying this, I thought that the journey doesn't end after a year, eh? It doesn't. It doesn't. It really doesn't. I feel so like this was beginning for us. Yeah, and, and, and the one year is an introduction into yeah. the world. And we're like, oh, after a year, it's all done. going like, to be oh, like, Scotty and Stacey this <laughs> year. Yeah, yeah, hard out. No, I feel like it is the beginning of something great. It's like the awakening of our soul. It's uh, going to be a very spiritual, enlightening, maybe even traumatic experience for me. I, I feel like I feel things really easily, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. But I think the thing that I really want to take from it is I feel like the language encompasses more than just the language. There's so much more to learning it that will come and, you know, there's identity that will come as we become more confident in who we are as Māori. Um, we'll be learning things of, of tikanga. We'll be learning more about our tūpuna, our ancestors, mm-hmm we'll be having more of a, I guess, rounded worldview of what it means to be Māori and, and maybe a, an, an outlook, maybe our perspectives will enlarge in, you know what I mean? So I don't know what that looks like specifically, but I'm really looking forward to diving into that and being enlightened by, by this journey and, yeah, looking forward to it. Mm. What I about you, Ashley? Yeah, I think... I think I'm very similar in a sense of everything that you said, but I guess the core of it for me is I want to feel a sense of worthiness. Mm. Yeah. Like um, I want to feel genuinely like I'm worthy to say I'm Māori. You know what I mean? And I know that I can say that now, but I guess when I look at it for myself, I'm like, well... I want to do more than just say that I'm Māori because I'm a whakapapa. Like, I want to learn the language. I want to be in a position where I can go to places and feel comfortable mm. in the Māori environment. I want to go to the marae and be able to, if needed, stand up and go to the paipai and do a it all because mm. I think, you know, that's what my ancestors used to do. That's what our people used to do. There were roles in our communities and some of those roles as males were those roles. So, I, you know, I would feel really, really... Um, I guess, happy, content, um, fulfilled if I turn up to a marae situation and I can do all the roles, you know what I mean? Mm. Or I can stand up and I can speak. You know, when they're like, oh, who's going to, you know, I want to have the confidence to be able to go, I can stand up and do that, that'll mean the world to me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I also think... um, I just want to acknowledge that we, I feel like we're in a privileged position to be able to undertake this year-long journey and that there are so many other Māori that would love to take a year off from mahi, um, would love to do this, but can't because mm. of barriers, whether it be money or um, you know other things. Money is probably the biggest cost. And so another thing that I would love is that, I guess, 
that it becomes not a barrier to take back mm. a language or to reclaim it and that all Māori are able to be on this kaupapa and do this course as well. And so I see a future in Aotearoa where these courses are available and free for Māori and we're all on this beautiful journey together and I think reclaiming looks different for everyone. And whether it be taking a year off to do um, a course at Takiura or whether your reclaiming journey is maybe you going back to your marae or maybe you are going to correct someone and saying your name right. You know, it's all all very different, but it's good to know that as Māori, we're all on this waka together. Mm, the reclaiming waka. Mm. Mm. Well, uh, I guess we'll jump in here and say thank you all for listening to the first episode of Back to Kura with Ashley and Shiloh. We <laughs> yes. appreciate it. And I think the next episode will be when we are attending Takiura. Yeah. Yeah. One we'll week, be, two we'll weeks. One week, two weeks. I don't know. <laughs> we'll be back sometime shortly. <laughs> with, Stay um, tuned. Hopefully. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The next podcast, I'll <laughs> definitely be crying. I'll be like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Uh, but what we intend to do is really share our journeys and talk about the things that we're learning and um, so that you can get an insight into what it will be like to study for a year at Takiura or any Wananga for that matter. Um, and just the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, just everything that's in between and sort of the massive moments during yeah. Takiura, like the karanga and whatnot. And hopefully you can get a as I said, a bit of insight into that, and it gives you a bit of encouragement to go, oh, man, like, that was cool, and to see the um, progression in Ashley and Charlotte and, and, the, and in themselves personally, but also with the, the language as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. You know, because no doubt we'll be implementing more um, Māori words and things that we learn. Yeah, definitely, because you know. um, this this episode, there's not much Māori, but you wait. You wait. <laughs> as time goes on. You just wait. We'll definitely be having more of the deal, so thank you so much for listening. Um, we're really grateful and, yeah, we're really excited to be on this journey. Catch you on the next episode. Kakite. Kakite. <laughs>